Hello and welcome to Talent Takeover Unfiltered. We have such a fun guest today who literally just came and shimmied into our studio. Uh, this is Kevin Palmieri, and he is going to talk about how to be consistent and improve your life 1% every day, which doesn't seem so hard, but we all know that it is. So, Welcome to Talent Takeover Unfiltered. When it comes to working hard and keeping it real, we know our shit. Self-care, happiness, inner peace, and time. I'm Brianna Rooney, and this is Taylor Bradley. Hey, y'all. And we have thrived in chaos and turned it into an art form. So, Taylor, what are we doing here today? We're here to give you a raw, under-the-hood view of all things recruiting and finally give credit where credit is due to a long, underrated industry that's full of, quote-unquote, experts. All right. Well, then let's take this show to the road. Welcome, Kevin. Hello, Taylor. How's everyone doing? Good, good. How are you, Kevin? Well, I'm living the dream. Thank you so very much for having me, both of you. I'm excited to chat. I know we've talked many times before this, yes. so we are good friends at this point. Let's have a friendly conversation about <laughs> consistency. Love it. And make sure you guys listen all the way to the end for Kevin's broke to boss tip with regards to consistency. Mm. So let's get right into it. All right, Kevin. So we know a lot about you, obviously, because like you said, I mean, we're roommates at this point. We've, we've, we've been hanging out. Um, so you have your own podcast, right? So mm. can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, tell us about how you got started and how you basically this whole consistency and improve your life by 1%, how you even, what made you come up with this title? Yeah. So, uh, I was a quote unquote successful person in my mid twenties. I had a six figure job and I was just miserable. I was so unfulfilled. I was so out of alignment. I was insecure. I was scarce. I was depressed. I was anxious. And I thought more nice things would create more happiness. And really that's not how it works, right? There's a lot of internal voids that I had that I wanted to fill and I didn't know how to do it. So I ended up making the most money I'd ever made. And the following year I sat on the edge of a bed debating suicide because I was so miserable. And I was so stuck and so trapped and helpless and hopeless. So I ended up leaving my job and then starting this podcast thing. And I have always wanted to help people. I think at a deep level, everybody wants to help a certain type of person in a certain type of way to get a certain type of result. But when we start talking about the vehicle for our change, that's when people get stuck. But when I found podcasting, I said, wow, if I could do that, if I could do that for a living, I would be the most fulfilled human on the planet. And that's why I come in dancing because I'm, I'm grateful. I, I get to do this every day. It's wild to me. Yeah. So I think for me, the one thing that I didn't necessarily have was talent and or skills. But the one thing I could do that most other people couldn't is I could show up every single day and try to get a little bit better. And the 1% thing, I didn't come up with that. That's, that's a big thing from James Clear's book. And it's been around for a long time, right? But it's the understanding that from day to day, progress is quite literally invisible from year mm -hmm. to year progress is impossible to miss and that's where a lot of people get stuck i went to the gym today but nothing happened it's not going to happen it's not going to happen if you do 52 podcasts in a year that's only 52 reps that's not a year's worth of work it's mm -hmm. 52 performances and that's a big mm -hmm. difference so for me Taylor and, and Brianna, it's really about just getting a little bit better every day. What can I control? I can control my inputs. And eventually your inputs leads to your, your outputs, but it usually takes a long time. So, I mean, what even is being consistent? Cause like, I, I, I'm thinking about all these things that I do, you know, I'm very particular about the gym. I'm very particular about my quotes that I read every morning. Like I definitely have, like, I'm a creature of habit. 
But I think being consistent is a little bit different than just being a creature of habit. Yeah, I think consistency is intentionality. It's how often are you doing the most important things that are able to be measured? So in the very beginning, every day, and I don't know why we were doing this, we weren't making any money, so it didn't matter. But every day I would track our finances. Every single day, no matter what, whether we spent money or made money, I would track our finances. I'd weigh myself. I'd learn for 30 minutes every single day, right? I haven't missed a day of learning in six years. Every single day I learn for at Whoa. least, but then that adds up yeah. Right? Yeah. For, for a week. It's nothing. It's not even, it's not even a book, but over the course of five or six years, that's, I don't know, thousands of hours. So it's consistency is what I really believe it is, is it's humans operating in the same way every single day. Now, this is the interesting thing. Everybody not everybody. Many people will come and say, well, I'm just not consistent. That's not true. Human beings are consistent by nature. It's just usually towards the path of least resistance. So mm -hmm. if you hit Starbucks every day on the way to work, you're consistent. You're a consistent creature. It's just not necessarily in the way that's going to serve you the best. So that's what really what it is. It's are you consistently doing things intentionally or are you consistently doing things unintentionally? And consistency to, means, to me just means doing the same things on repeat. The most important things, hopefully. Ooh, I love that. So what have you been learning? Your 30 minutes, what, what do you learn? Uh, right now, I am reading a book called Infinite. It's uh, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. That's what I'm listening to right now. But for me, it's always been, where am I in the journey? And then what is the most important thing that I'm learning? So when I was very, very broke and I didn't understand sales, I learned sales. I, I learned Influenced by Robert Cialdini. That's a great book. When I was leaning more into us building the team, I'd learn more leadership. So more John Maxwell, that type of thing. When I was going through a heavy spiritual phase, it would be a lot of that. It would be more spiritual books. And I think that the thing I've learned the most about is probably myself. That's the beautiful thing about learning is when you learn, it, it raises your awareness and you say one of two things. Wow. I already knew that and I'm already living that way. Wow. I have never understood that and I've never lived my life that way or, okay, I'm on the right track. That's the beautiful thing about learning. Yes, you're going to learn a ton, but it also affords you the opportunity to unlearn things that are no longer serving you. So I'm curious to know if you don't mind sharing, um, throughout the journey, what did, what are those things that you learned about yourself? Oh, Good man. and bad. If you don't mind sharing examples. Yeah, of course. I am, I am terrified of being left behind and I am terrified of not being good enough. And it was a really, really challenging time for me to admit that. I remember, so this is, I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, I've learned so much about my ego and oftentimes mm. when it's trying to protect me, it's actually holding me back in many, many, many ways. I was in the gym with my business partner and another friend of ours. And in the gym, I am 10 out of 10 confident. I've spent thousands and thousands of hours there. I feel good there. We transitioned from talking about fitness and exercising to talking about business. And immediately, internally, I started villainizing my business partner and my friend. It's like, how you guys are so cocky. Like, why are you so arrogant when it comes to business? That wasn't the truth. The truth was I was insecure in that moment and my ego was trying to protect me. And instead of facing my own truth, I tried to paint a picture of negativity on other people. So I couldn't handle the awareness, so I just made them the bad people, and that made me feel really good. 
that's one of the things that I've learned in this journey is number one, I am not a naturally confident human being. No way. I'm just, you catch me doing this and this is what I do most often. I've done 2000 of these. So at this point I should be pretty confident here. But if you were to meet me in public and ask me to do something I've never done before, I probably would be afraid. I definitely would be afraid. So that's something I've learned for sure. And then I would say the other thing too is I've definitely struggled with low self-worth. Setting boundaries is something I'm really working on and I'm, I'm leaning into and it's uncomfortable as hell. But that comes for me at least from a place of low self-worth. I value other people's opinions of me higher than I value my own opinion of myself. At least I have in the past. And that's something I've really been working on as well. And that's come from interviewing very successful people and being interviewed by very successful people. There's a lot of energetic shifts that happen when you talk to so many people. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, oh my God, I got I so much. So <laughs> Same. Much. Well, I'm also relating this a, a lot. Um, I, I found myself, so okay, um, I, I sold techies. I've gone through my own, you know, shit this year. Like I was at the top of my success and bam, you know, got smacked on my, on my ass. So I, I um, have seek the therapist. And so it's only been a couple weeks and, and this guy's giving me business advice. And I instantly start judging him because I'm thinking, what if like, you haven't done this, you haven't, mm. you haven't done your own business before, you know, I'm instantly in my mind trying to like, like, you know, size him up. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Oh, it's because he's saying something that I am insecure about and he hit a nerve. Mm. So I'm just going to instantly be an ass, you know? And so I, I luckily realized it and snapped out of it really quickly because I'm like, no, 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 I'm here for me. I'm here for my journey. It doesn't even matter who's on the other side. He's here to help me and he is helping me. Mm. Um, and I think that that's something that's really difficult. And until you're ready, I think that's what's important. Until you're ready, you're not going to embark on this. Um, the interesting thing about that, this is a thing, you'll hear people say, and again, part of that is a self-worth issue, but you'll hear people say, well, I want to have really high self-worth. Now, I don't think that's true. You want to have accurate self-worth because you can be, if you have self-worth beyond what you are capable of, you're entitled. And that's, a, that's an interesting thing. Now, dictating self-worth and leveling up self-worth and measuring self-worth are all very, very challenging things. And intrinsically, we're valuable human beings. But the level of value that you can deliver to a room kind of determines the level of self-worth you have in the room. Now, again, very blanket statement, very dangerous. But when it comes to podcasting, my self-worth should be more accurate because I've done it more. Doesn't mean it should be higher. It means it should be more accurate. And that's the thing that we've really understood over, I don't know how many people we've studied at this point, but nobody, almost nobody is accurate. The vast majority of our audience is way under with self-worth. I run from people who are over. I, I, I struggle so hard with entitlement because I'm not good at knocking people down. I don't like doing it. I'll just leave. I'm not interested. I'm really good at building people up because I've had to build myself up. And of course I have minutes where I'm over and I'm arrogant for sure. I'm human, but that's an interesting thing is sometimes that is the right answer. And other times it's not the right answer. It's, it's so contextual and it, it relies so much on your understanding of self and self-awareness. And that's why this is a never ending thing. Going back to consistency. If after every single conversation you have, you take a moment of reflection and say, what did I learn in that 
scenario, in that situation, that conversation? What did I learn about humans? What did I learn about myself? What did I do the same as I always? What did I do differently? That's a never ending game. And if you do that consistently, you're evolving as a human being, even if it doesn't feel like it. Yes. I love that. That's really, that's really good insight. So you kind of shared with us some of these little nuggets. There's been a lot of really good nuggets. My page is full of things. I feel like this is my motivational podcast for the day is having you on and all these different things that you've talked about already. But you said reflecting on a conversation after you've had it, what did I learn from that? Um, do you have any other tips or things like that that you can share that people can start to apply day to day like that, reflecting on a conversation that can help make us more consistent or better? The simplest thing in the world is start asking why. I mean, I know it sounds overly simplistic, but if you're going to make a decision, there is lag time between the decision being made and the action taken. Ask yourself why. And I do this. It was a couple weeks ago. I was talking to my wife and I said, I'm getting Taco Bell. Done. I'm getting Taco Bell. <laughs> it's so it's, good. Yeah, it's, it's my guilty pleasure. And then I started having a conversation with myself and I said, okay, why? Well, I'm stressed out. And when I stress, I like to eat. And I understand that about myself, right? And then it was like, okay, why Taco Bell? Well, I want something easy. And this is the interesting thing. Okay, well, is Taco Bell actually easy? I mean, it's a 10-minute ride. The line's usually out the wazoo, and usually they forget something. So now I'm stacking reasons not to do it. Why do I want to do it now that I've already admitted the truth? I didn't get Taco Bell. I saved money, and I ate healthier at home, and I had like a giant salad or something. Asking myself why allowed me to at least facilitate some sort of change. So I really think that is the most valuable question in the world. Five years ago, I would be very intimidated being interviewed by both of you because you're both very beautiful and very smart. Why? Because I didn't feel good enough. You're very welcome. I didn't feel good enough. Low self-worth. Why? Is it because you're bad? No. Is it because you're arrogant? No. Is it because you're making me feel any type of way? No. But that why question is it's an unlock for you as long as you're willing to sit in the discomfort of the answer. A lot of times the answers are going to suck. Why am I insecure? Because I'm short. I'm five foot four on a good day. I'm not getting any taller. That is for sure. I'm insecure about that. Why do I fear rejection so much? Because I allow that to attach to my identity and my self-worth. That's why. That's the truth. When you ask why, you get to the truth faster. And when you get to the truth faster, you get to opportunity faster. And when you get to opportunity faster, you can actually create change and growth. But again, it kind of sucks. But that's what I would say. Ask yourself why. You're not doing things just automatically. There's a reason beneath every single thing that we do, for sure. But we don't always know what those reasons are yet. So do you ask yourself why so, to avoid autopilot? Yeah. The, the first podcast I created was called Hyperconscious, Acutely Aware. Mm -hmm. I lived unconsciously for most of my life. I do not want to live unconsciously to the point where I go to, so I'll go pick up food for my wife and I, and I walk up and I'm saying, Kevin, and they're like, all right, yeah, it'll be a couple minutes. My natural tendency is to sit in the corner and pull my phone out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I won't do it. I cannot do it. I intentionally have to say, just sit in the discomfort, Kev. Like, what do you do? Why do you have to escape into social media or distraction? Just sit with it. So I try to do the thing that I'm a little bit afraid of. One of my irrational fears is going up to a door, pulling it and it not opening. Don't ask me why, but it's like the dumbest thing ever. So now I seek it out and say, ah, that probably, that kind of looks like a door that's not going to open. Let me go give it a pull and see what happens. And that's helped me tremendously. So yeah, if you're 
if you're intentionally going to avoid your fears, you're going to have to intentionally face them. That's kind of the way it works. Wait, so like not a metaphorical door, a real door? No, no. A legitimate in this world door to a restaurant, to a bathroom. Really? To a, yeah. Yeah. Because it's rejection. It's rejection, embarrassment, it's, judgment. It's, it's deeper. It's deeper than that. But yeah. it's, it's very interesting that it's literal for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite literal. Wow. So, okay. Uh, we talk about this a lot. I know I've talked about this with Taylor. Um, having your self, self-worth be from business and only business. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, that it's like, okay, if we're not doing well at work based off of what we deem successful, you're like on it, your head spinning, your world's crashing, your anxiety is off the roof, your relationships are going down. How do you have self-worth outside of work? That is a great question. I think it is directly correlated to your level of self-belief. Here's the weird thing. There's a lot of people out there telling us that we should believe in ourselves at a level 10. Honestly, I don't think that's true because if you believe in yourself at a level 10, you have to have level 10 standards and you have to have level 10 consistency and you have to have level 10 communication. Everything has to be a level 10, which means in a way your self-worth is going to be attached to your work because you can handle it. You can handle it. You should be doing, not you, but if you have level 10 belief and you think you can change the world, you should be doing better. Probably. You should be doing more, probably. But the problem is 99.999% of people don't have that. So you, gotta, you have to be very careful with the advice you get because a lot of people are just giving that blanket statement. This is what it is. Just like when you have a really, really, really good day, it doesn't mean you're the best in the world. When you have a bad day, it doesn't mean you're the worst in the world. True. I had a, a client who said this to me one time. They said, the press is always wrong. When the press says you're the best, they're wrong. When they say you're the worst, they're wrong. You're probably always somewhere in between. So I think it's that self-talk. It's it's if you didn't have the business, then what would you be? You're still a human with intrinsic value. You're still a human who has something to, to bring to the world. You're still a person who has a personality. You have an attitude. You can impact people and facilitate change in other ways. It's the understanding that no matter how successful you get, it's never going to change your self-worth. That, that's really what helps me do it. We might have a very, very high financial month. If I allow that to change my self-worth, I'm going to start making decisions that will not allow me to have another high month because it's like, I'm the man. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to do the hard stuff. Or on the other end, if we have a really, really bad month, I can't allow that to affect my self-worth in the way of, you know what? None of this matters anyway. There's no point in doing this because then I'm going to have another one of those months again. So it really is the understanding to me at least that your self-worth should not come necessarily, most likely shouldn't come from results. It should come from your effort. It should come from your growth and your evolution. It should come from the perspective that you're gaining, but it has to be accurate. And that's the hardest thing. The hardest thing in the world is to get to five. It's to get to five. But the only way really to do that is to grow. You have to grow. And if you're growing, you should feel really effing good about yourself. You should. You should. I don't want to crush it unless I'm growing because I realize that's not sustainable. And I also realize if you want to be fulfilled, the formula for that involves growth and contribution. Nowhere in fulfillment is there financial freedom. I mean, there is. It's important to some people. But if I gave you both a billion dollars right now, you're not going to be any more fulfilled. You're actually probably going to be less fulfilled. Because you're not going to think you deserve it at a deep level. And that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's, that's a true. Can of worms. Um, Taylor, how much did you just love success does not equal results? 
I, I mean, I have so many notes that this is just like, look at my paper. Like, I don't know if you can see this. And this, by the way, is organized to me. But I have so many different nuggets on here because, again, you know, Brianna mentioned it. We've talked about it. And it was actually our executive coach that said that to me that was like, you've got to figure out a way to um, have an identity and figure out and, and identify your self-worth and, and it not be about work. And I remember when she said that to me and I didn't book another appointment for like months because I was like, because I have no clue how to even start that. And it's a hundred percent true to who I am. And I'm like, I don't, and it's, I'm just going to say the thing that you're probably not supposed to say as a mom, but even more so than a, a mom, like my self-worth is tied to how good I am at my job and how successful I am at my job. And then in turn, you know, what example that is showing to my sons. So it's, it's relative, but I still very much, and I know I can pinpoint why I'm this way and what made me this way, but I, for the life of me, can't even begin to think about how to start to change that. You mm -hmm. know, that's why I was like, okay, Cheryl, we're going to have to put a pause on this. I'm going to have to like, <laughs> hoping maybe she'll forget about it. You know, and it's been a couple months, maybe she'll forget that that was kind of my action item was to figure out my self-worth mm -hmm. without it being attached to work. And I was like, shit. You know, yeah, like it's, I, it's such a challenge. We we had this really interesting opportunity where and I don't I don't want to be specific because I want to make sure it remains anonymous. But we had something that was happening in our life uh, as a business that was 10 out of 10. Anybody in our shoes would be like, wow, I would give anything for that. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with my business partner. I said, we got to can it. It's got to go. Can't do it anymore. And he's like, why? I said, it's hurting our self-worth. We just don't know it. It's hurting our self-worth. It's bringing us results but we're out of alignment and it's hurting our self-worth. One of the best things we ever did. One of the best things we ever did. That It's almost that. It's almost you have to be willing to give up the things that you think are going to make you feel better because in reality, when you feel better, you'll do better. It's this weird thing, the way the universe and the world is set up. But it's, it's that. It's number one, when you become more self-aware, I think that will help your self-worth because a lot of the reason our self-worth is under is because we think – a lot of the stuff that's happening in our lives is our fault. But that happened 10 or 15 years ago. That's why it's happening today. We just haven't fixed the paradigm yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's hard. It's a challenge. And understandable, Taylor. It's when you have a mirror that's painful, the last thing you want to do is look in it again. It's painful. True. You've said so, so many I, things. I know we're... Go ahead, Brianna. I could talk to him no, all day. I, I so saying, you might as well just I, go. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Well, I, I know we're coming up at time, but I have something written down I just have to ask. How do you unlearn something? Boom. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you have to, you have to create an input that, that at least allows you to question why you're thinking the way you're thinking. Really, if you think about it this way, when you're born, you are born into soil that you have absolutely no control over. No, you don't have any control. And it's not always nutritious soil. Sometimes it's toxic soil. 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, you're learning a bunch of stuff, but it doesn't seem to be landing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I understand that I can contextualize it, but it's not changing the identity of who I am as a human being. Why? Because you're still pouring that onto the old soil. So unlearning is quite literally you reflecting on all of your experiences, all of your journeys, all of your influences, all of your traumas, and understanding, oh my goodness, that's why I'm not quote unquote successful, fulfilled, happy, in love, whatever. Because I'm running this old system that does not serve me that I didn't realize I was actually running. One of my favorite questions to ask therapists, psychotherapists, counselors is, how do you know if your normal is normal? My favorite question in the world. 
because, because you can't and you don't, but it sparks this conversation of there is no such thing as normal. There's mm -hmm. personal, there's perspective, there's experience. For me, at least, and what's worked really well for me is when I learn new information, I try to run it through, it's going to sound wonky, but like my entire life. So mm. if I learn something today, it doesn't necessarily just mean it affects today. It actually affects everything, forever, like forever and everything before. That's how I think you unlearn. You don't just take your information and store it away in your pocket of today. You say, well, what does that mean for a month ago? What does that mean for six months ago? What does that mean for childhood, Kevin? And it's just that self-awareness. Hyper-consciousness is understanding why, what, how at a, at a very, very deep level. And it's just exploring that and sitting in the discomfort. I will say that very often because it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, well, change is hard. I, well, I was just going to say, so one of the things that you've been talking about, so run it through your entire life. Um, ask every time you have a conversation, ask the why. So for me, and it was funny because we were just talking about this before you hopped on about how I'm an overthinker and I overthink everything. And, you know, people in my life will be like, oh, I hate that for you. Cause it just is like kind of daunting sometimes of what my process is. And so um, you mentioned a couple of these things that for me as an overthinker, I'm like, well, this is just going to really send me down a rabbit hole of like, if I run it through my entire life, and I mean, I could end up spiraling, you know, mm -hmm. because I'll just overthink it to death. So what guidance or advice do you have for people that tend to already overthink and overanalyze, but don't, don't necessarily have the high self-worth, like what you're talking about. So what, what do we do there? Yeah, Help I think it, yeah, of course, of course. I think one of the understandings that we must have is there's a lot of different reasons why people overthink. Some people overthink because they're underconfident. Mm -hmm. Some people overthink because they want to perfect something before they release it. Some mm -hmm. people overthink because they don't even want to be doing what they're doing. And it's just easier to think than it is to, to create and bring <laughs> into the world. I, you, you, as an overthinker, probably have to break it down into smaller segments. And you have to okay. find somebody to do this with. That's it. You have to do this with somebody and not by yourself, whether it's a therapist, a counselor, yeah. because they're going to be able to ask you questions and guide you in a way that you might not be able to yourself. And here's the other thing, too. You're going to have accountability. Growth is really hard. Consistency is really hard. Being courageous is really hard, but it's a little bit easier when you know there's somebody watching out for you. If you have a really good gym partner, you're not going to let them down. You're going to show yeah. up and they're going to show up for you. Growth is the same way. A lot of us are afraid to grow alone because it's painful. But if you mm -hmm. have somebody in your life, like you have a wonderful partnership, which is amazing, it makes things a little bit easier because you can lean on somebody. And honestly, you can say, hey, have you ever, you ever felt this way before? I know this is a little weird, but have you ever felt this way before? And somebody might say, yeah, I, I have. I know what that's like. Or I don't understand what that's like at the level that you do because mm -hmm. I'm not a mom, I'm not a parent, whatever it may be, but I can't understand what that would be like. How can I support you? Right. How can I support you? Sometimes support is venting. Yeah. Hey, Brianna, what can I, can I, are you looking for strategy or, or support? I'm looking mm -hmm. for support. All right, cool. Let me shut up and just, and just sit here. I think it's that it's that it's having somebody in your corner who you trust because that will help you facilitate more of those difficult discussions and conversations. And then it's just uncovering, right? It's just yeah. uncovering and uncovering and uncovering. That's it's the same answer. It's just a different modality. Most likely. Yeah. Wow. I have so many notes, so many chills. This whole entire episode was a broke to boss tip for me personally. Um, but officially on record, hit him with your broke to boss tip for this episode, Kevin. Yeah. If you can get 1% better 
every single day in five years, your life can look drastically different. Five years ago, six years ago, I did an episode, episode number seven. And I said, I want to be my own boss. I want to wake up when I want. I want to go to the gym, interview amazing people, be interviewed by amazing people. And here we are 1,180 episodes later. And that's my reality. But I tried every single day, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more. And it's not going to happen every day. Some days are going to suck and you're going to, you're not going to get there. But if you're intentional about it and you're focused and you're committed and you're consistent, your life will look different. Your life is going to look different five years from today based on the consistency that you're practicing. Just make sure it's the intentional consistency, not the accidental. Mm. Yeah. Love that. So in, in orange theory, um, when I am working out, like the instructor will be like, you can do anything for 30 seconds. And I was like, you're right. like dying. But like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, Yes, 1% is nothing. It's nothing today. It's nothing tomorrow. But in five years, the whole hell of a lot. It adds up. It adds up. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Amazing episode. Amazing. Thank Thank you so much. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you both for having me. I appreciate it. All right, all. Thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.